This episode's guest is Tom Clough. Tom is currently the head of athletic performance at Ulster Rugby. On this episode, Tom and I discuss many topics. Firstly, we start with Tom's background. Why did Tom intern at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning? How did Tom support himself financially during his internship at MBSC? How did Tom deal with a year out of coaching when he got let go from the Bradford Bulls? Who of Tom's biggest influences been on him both professionally and personally? I asked Tom what are the good and not so good things that he currently sees within the physical preparation field and what solutions would he offer to counteract the not so good things that he currently sees. We discuss work-life balance and coaching burnout. I asked Tom what his exact role at Ulster Rugby is. How does Tom create an interdisciplinary coaching staff at Ulster Rugby? How does Tom create an environment for continual feedback? How are final decisions made at Ulster Rugby? How much information does Tom need to present to the head coach on a daily basis? How has Tom developed his communication and leadership skills? What is a typical day and week like at Ulster Rugby for Tom currently? What does Tom do for his own training currently? I ask, how does Tom learn? What are Tom's top and current book recommendations? And finally, I ask Tom, if he could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who'd he invite and why? Guys, this was a really great discussion with Tom, and I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. All right, Tom, thank you so much for making time today. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. It's good just to, uh, to catch up from many years ago. Yeah, big time. As as always happens when you schedule a podcast, we've already been online for almost 20 minutes and we've spoken goals. I was like, damn, I better hit record now. So yes. just for the listeners, Tom, give us your full background. So, you know, who are you? Where are you from? Um, sports played? School? Why SNC? How did you get into SNC? And maybe give us your career journey and where you are currently. Yeah, well, you'll tell from the accent as we go that I'm, I'm, I'm from Yorkshire. So, uh, from kind of like Bradford Leeds area of, uh, you know, West Yorkshire and, you know, started in SNC typically as most people do, we're all failed, uh, sportsmen in, in some regards. So rugby league would be my kind of natural background. Uh, I would have played many sports as a kid, but rugby league would have been the one that was committed to the most. And then, uh, yeah, played, played some Academy, um, a club called Huddersfield Giants got injured. Uh, and, and that's it for, for whatever reason, uh, probably knowing what I know now, I probably could have made a comeback and probably played on, but at that, at that moment in time, uh, it, it just wasn't to be. So yeah, that, that, that was kind of coincided with a university where I was doing sport management originally in, uh, Northumbria at Newcastle and kind of after that, yeah, just. So, you know, it went off and then because I'd been injured, because I'd been doing a lot of rehab, I went down the sports therapy route, did, did kind of like what was, I don't know, even know what you'd call it, like a diploma or a H&D in sports therapy. I did that when I left uni. Um, yeah, weird story about that. My brother would have been in the same industry then, you know, kind of like personal training and, you know, kind of like sports massage, all that kind of side. And uh, he was doing the the Australian team, they were touring and playing Great Britain at the time. And I remember like I qualified on Friday and uh, on the Saturday, he was supposed to be doing the Australian team in, in Leeds. 
um, kind of covering uh, covering that tour for them. And uh, he couldn't do it, so it just being convenient for him. He just basically said, oh, you need to go to this hotel in uh, in Leeds and do this. And I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> so then, yeah, so that evening, that's it. I'm... Uh, I'm in the Australian camp for a couple of weeks, just just through a couple of those test matches, sat on the bench and, and watching the games in the changing room, which was, was a big change really uh, for me. And and then I, then we focused on personal training, really. Just became you know just just got into training, and and that was the original passion, really, just the training alongside rugby, and, and that's what continued. And and for a time, like I was very business driven, so I I just left sport completely. I had no interest in rugby. Um, gave it a massive break from from kind of 20 year old till kind of 26. I'd, had nothing to do with sport, just left it completely. Focused on a personal training business, uh, you know, did, did well overall in, in that period. I'd, I'd still PT people now, but uh, you know, the, the odd client I still do do that I've had for you know for for well, I'm 38 now, so for many years. Um, I've, I've kept some some clients and I do online stuff with them now, even though I'm over over in Northern Ireland now. But yeah, we, when we launched that, we kind of did the home training. We had contracts for gyms, and we we ended up we did well out of it overall. But I lost a lot of money in that period of time, kind of setting that up. And and when I when I kind of knuckled down to pay that debt off, um, I had to get serious about what I was doing long term, and and that's when. I decided to to make a kind of change and go do the internship at uh, Mike Boyle's, where where you know to come across yourself, um, and and I use that as a bit of a career reset, really. At about yeah, about twenty six, um, I did that, and uh, yeah, that was a great few months over at Mike Boyle's strength and conditioning, and and just use it to kind of flip my mindset and get into rather than personal training, get into strength and conditioning, and, and try to develop, uh, trying to to develop that so. Yeah, typical route thereafter, interning. Um, I was lucky to start working with the academy at Bradford Bulls uh, through an intern position, then paid a little bit of money to do some part-time work with the academy. Um, did that for a couple of years. And then there was a change with the head coach and the new head coach took me into the senior team. So. Yeah, a couple of years there. The history of that club is, you know, it's a great club with a with a big history, but it had uh, a turbulent uh, time with administration and and points deductions and and basically everything was stacked stacked against you through those couple of years there, where I kind of headed up the SNC there. But through that through that chaos, it was um, it was probably a really good learning period because. You literally had to do. You had to solve so many problems. You had to. You had to do everything and, and, and solve everything on on minimal resource. Um, and and that was good. Uh, then there was a change in coach again. I was let go from from Bradford. Uh, had a year with um, had a year out of the game. Then where I did some some lecturing. Fortunately, with um, knowing kind of Kev Till and Ben Jones at, at Leeds Beckett, were fortunate for the, those guys giving me some work in lecturing for that year. And I still had my personal training throughout throughout that period anyway. So I was financially I was good, but um, managed to get back in with Hawkingston Rovers and did, did uh, a few years there as uh, head of athletic performance, then some work in rugby operations, and then the opportunity came up at, at Ulster 
and uh, and that's where I am now. I think I'm going into. I've done three years, so I'm going into my fourth year now. Four years already. So there's just a few questions I want to follow up with from that introduction. So bring us back to the internship at Boyles. Why did you go to Mike Boyles? I think. Well, at the time, then it was. Um, I think kind of like just in in fitness circles, which is where I would have been. And and when you're reading kind of general S and C, like the main guy then was was, was uh, it was um, athletes performance, and it was Mike Boyle strength and conditioning. I reckon they were the two biggest names in the world at, at that or, point. Or Cressy, that's who. Cressy Boyle yeah. and, and athletes performance. I don't even think you know like um yeah, but Cressy was more specialised in in. Well, wasn't it like once you're over at Boyles and you realise, okay, because Cressy's not, not too far away from Boyles, then you realise he was he was doing good things then, wasn't he? And he was he was starting to go on that that upward trajectory with that business, uh, but it wasn't the size of Boyles, you know, it was nowhere near the size of Boyles at that time. Um, and so yeah, so you look into that and then you see like, yeah, that, that's they do these internships and this is who's been there, this is where they're going, and you're thinking, right, that's that's where I need to be. So when you got back and you uh, went to the academy at Bradford, what, what were you doing from a financial standpoint? And the reason I ask is just for the listeners because, you know, everybody kind of wants to be where you are right now. You know, like, oh, like the head of athletic performance at Ulster Rugby, how do I get there now? And, like, they need to hear, like, the shit sandwiches you had to eat to get where you are now. So this is why I'm well, kind of delving into this. So just in terms of like, you were saying you were in debt, like what were you doing financially? Like how, how were you having to, you know, really work hard? Oh, to like I was, I was good by then. Um, you know, so, so, so that was, that, that was clear. I, I had my personal training clients. Now, luckily whilst I was away, I, I was already interning at Bradford at that time. And um, one of the guys I knew, he trained my clients while I was away. So I basically employed him to continue through. Um, so luckily, um, I had a little bit of income off that. Um, I just, well, you, you just take the, you just take the hit. Luckily I wasn't, I, like I'd already bought a house. We had a coffee shop as well. Like my wife, you know, my wife now, but my girlfriend, then we, we had a coffee shop as a, as a business. It was, I mean, it's chaos. I don't mind, mind sharing like, you know, my first year as an intern, I earned nothing, obviously, because they're all unpaid. I got three grand for my second year. I got six grand for my third year, you know. And then I went to and then I went to seniors. So, you know, I, I, I would work. I would do absolutely anything and work anything. Like once I decided that's where I want to go, it wasn't really financial. That was, I just cut my my lifestyle back to, you know, to whatever. I think as I said to you before we came on air, like. You know, I earn more now, but I've got two kids now. I'm not richer. <laughs> I'm richer for the kids, but I'm financially not richer. <laughs> I know, so, I know. I remember one time I started to add up all the money I cost my parents, and when I hit a thousand euro or a hundred thousand euro, I just stopped. Like I was like, right, because like, and I wasn't even finished. I was like, right, I'm just uh, just like kids are so goddamn expensive. Yeah, I think people look at the big positions and they think like, oh, well, the money there you know, he's great. But if you divide it down all the years, I missed a year being unemployed. I had those three years earning for call, you know, so you average it down. There's far easier ways to earn, to earn money. 
you know, you're in it for the wrong reasons if, if, if that's the case. And don't, don't get me wrong, I, 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 you know, I'm not working for free now and I won't work for free now, but, you know, to, to get there, there is a degree of sacrifice, isn't there? And, and, yeah. and, and they're the barriers in the industry. You know, they are the barriers in the industry. Yeah. Talk to me about that year out of rugby. So when you got let go from Bradford, where was your mindset then? Like, how did you and your wife deal with that? Um, I mean, it, the, the way the cycles work with jobs, you know, when, when she, because it's rugby league, and I'd only done rugby league to that point. You know, I suppose my, my view of my next job would have been in rugby league. And would I have thought anyone outside of that would have really given me a look? I'm, I'm not too sure. Although, you know, Bradford's a big name in, in rugby terms. Um, it came around that quickly at the back end of the year. There were some fine, there'd been financial problems through this season. And then, you know, the head coach that recruited me was, was then let go towards the back end of the year. Um, and, and that ultimately brought about a, a change in the back room. So um, you didn't really have much to respond to it. I think, in fact, I think that coincided with... Try to think. Yeah, my, my daughter would have been two, and I'd been expecting a second child by then. So it, it wouldn't have been easy. But when you've got kids and stuff, and because I had the PT as a background, like I, I just just crack on, just double down on what what drives the income. And luckily, like I say, you know, like I, Kev Till was was heading up for the academy there at that at that time, and. He was obviously lecturing at, at Leeds, uh, Leeds Met as it was then, and, and I knew Ben Jones through rugby, and, and luckily those guys just just give me some um, kind of part-time lecturing work just to, to help on one of those courses, and, and that alongside my PT, you know, kind of carried me through until until I could get my in. And what happened to the coffee shop? Oh, we sold we sold it. Um, <laughs> what was it yeah, called, Tom? Uh, Bosco's. Nice. Yeah, we, we, we bought it as a coffee shop and she like, you know, the, I, I would just like do cash and carry runs and stuff. So my my back, my family background is like greengrocers and stuff. He's market traders. My, my dad works in, um, he has like a, a dairy wholesaling business at the moment. You know, like, so all my background, so I love all that kind of shit. Like I'm, I'm at home doing in cash and carries and trading and anything like that. Is is really my roots, so it's it's all good. Um, but yeah, it's a nightmare. You know, you, you think you like coffee, and this is for anyone listening. You think you like coffee, and it sounds like a good idea to have a coffee shop. It's not. <laughs> that it's sounds not. that sounds so similar to people who are like, well, I love training, so I'll just become a personal trainer and train people. And then they realize they like training, but they don't like training people. Oh, when they they say to me like, surely you just train at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's the last place I want to train. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I really want to delve into your current role at Ulster Rugby. But before we get in there, we'll just ask you a few more questions that I always like to ask every guest who comes on, um, particularly for when it's a, a first-time guest. Just in terms of your influences, Tom, who have been the biggest influences on you, not only professionally, but personally? I wasn't expecting these these deep questions, Robbie. Um, Take your time, man. There's no rush. Yeah, I think some of the coaches that I've worked with, you know, across uh, across the time, like obviously um, Boyle would would have been, you know, a, a big influence at that time. 
you know, still enjoy some of the stuff that he, that he puts out and discussions that he brings up. But at that time, I would have been fully immersed in in that. So, you know, that would be that that would have been great. Like, you know, what gets me going is kind of like the business, kind of like the business side, the leadership, management, growth, all, all that kind of side. So, you know, I'd be I'd be reading, more, you know, a lot around that. But I think the co- I think the coaching staff that I've come across, like Francis Cummings, who was the the head coach at Bradford, that took me in there, like was. You know, still, I, I I would rate him as one of the. I think he's just got a job at Wakefield Trinity, but he he would be like one of the best coaches that I've worked for, uh, just in understanding people, how, how he treat people, how he ran like a you know holistic program, how he focused on player, de- really focused on player development, and and doing the right thing. You know, um, very principled uh, person. Then at, at Hull KR, you know, I had. Um, a guy who was like a, a legend of rugby, which is Jamie Peacock. Um, so he's like Man of Steel, won everything with, with, with Leeds. He w- was a player at Bradford. He took me over. He was head of rugby. Like, like I've never met anyone like this from a... He, he was known for being like this Man of Steel, this warrior as a player. But it, for, for mindset, I've never met anyone like it. When you talk about, you know, levels of people, you know, his no-nonsense factor was... 11 out of 10, like absolutely ridiculous, you know, and the, and the pace he could push change w- 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 was unbelievable. So I learned a lot from, from JP. Um, and then there was also another coach there, Tim Sheens, who had won grand finals in the NRL. Uh, we recruited uh, Tim in and he, he you know, t- Tim was late 60s, had won everything, World Cups, NRL grand finals, um, and and now was heading up the coaching at Hull KR, and and he was the complete opposite end. He was just completely relaxed, you know, n- nothing really bothered him. Um, understood the big picture, understood the long game, you know, and, that, and that's a big thing. Robbie, like for me now, is and I'd say this is what the feedback I get from from kind of my staff here would be, you know, is is, is how I play the long game in terms of development and in, in terms of influencing maybe the board or. The general structure of the program like i'm not in a rush to really do anything i always think about what what stays what what, what are, what's lasting effects what creates habits in people and uh and, and that's right through to the, the the head coach that we've got now dan mcfarland he's just very very particular on detail you know and and, and player development and and how we go across that you know so it's it's tough, but it's development. This is what you're looking for. I just this is what I enjoy about it most is that when you meet different people, like the effect they can have. You work with people roughly for like two to three years. You know these kind of cycles that you get in clubs, um, and it's it's crazy how how you think you know it, and then you meet someone else, and then it's all reframed again, and then you add a little bit of that, and you develop again, and you know, and then like before, you know. Before I'm on this call here, I've just had a, a an IRFU call with uh, with Nick Winkleman, and you know we talk about S and C influences, and you know getting to work with with Nick as closely as I do with with the role here at Ulster is, you know, he, he's kind of pulling me back to because I went more into that leadership side. It's probably putting me back into the S and C kind of game a lot more, and I'm really enjoying that. You know, and the, just coaching miss coaching when sometimes I get I, I, I get detracted from that because of, because of you know the detail that we've got to do here sometimes you're not always on the on the gym floor with the uh, with the players 
Yeah, I, I Nick and myself know each other well, and Winks is a great bloke, so he is. And uh, yeah, I, I would say as well for me, he he's had an influence on me per, as as a coach. Anyway, definitely in in my development. I mean, I took the I took the eight, at the time was at least performance mentorship courses about eight years ago now, and he was uh, he was the lead for the phase two. So yeah, Winks would be an influence on me as a as a physical preparation coach for sure. Yeah, and just like his knowledge of systems as well is, yeah, you know, is another level. And and then you add that little, you know, you probably add some of that systems thinking into what you're doing, and then you know you're elevating and, and developing again. You know, and ultimately that's what you, that's the mindset that you try and put into players. But that's kind of the mindset that you need when you're in SNC, just growth mindset. And it's yeah. you got you just got to leave the ego aside. You, you don't know it all. You're not going to know it all. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like that saying that. The more, the more you know, the or the the more you learn, the 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 more you realize what you don't know. Oh, absolutely! I'm I'm definitely learning that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that whole Dunning Kruger effect that we all went through. That was like, you know, I know nothing, and then we got a little bit of information, and we became dangerous. We're like, oh, we know everything, and then like oh, so, the more you yeah. started learning, you're like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, one final one before we get into the specifics around your current role. Um, in terms of the good. And the not so good that you see within the whole sport preparation profession, what would you say are the good things you see? What would you say are the not so good things you see? And with the not so good things, what solutions would you offer to counteract them? So basically, what what are you proud of in the sports preparation profession that makes you proud to be part of it? What is there that doesn't make you so proud to be part of it? And then with the stuff that you don't like, what solutions would you offer? Yeah, solutions. That's a, that's an interesting one. Um, I love what we have, have here at, at Ulster, which is a, which is a team of individuals with different specialisms, but they're all capable of you know of running the full program. Um, so you know th- those critical discussions that we can have, and and, and people not being offended by those. Um, that's the kind of environment that I enjoy. Um, and getting the best out of people and and the you know as I, as I say tirelessly to them like it doesn't matter where the right answer comes from it doesn't matter where it comes from it could you know whether it's a, a academy staff senior staff I just I don't see those levels or I don't see them as levels I just see them as every individual is an opportunity to gain perspective on a problem you know so uh, so when we recruit we try and get different people to ourselves all the time then to the stuff that I don't like in the industry, like just fucking bitching, arguing, people moaning constantly about lack of opportunities, which is bullshit. You know, well, you know, the tough, it's tough to get opportunities, but that's not a bad thing. It's not for everyone. You know, what you, so what you have to intern for, for nothing, working a bar on a night, like, some some of that, I just think is. I, th- I think actually, what that's done is it's just driven a, a lot of internships underground a little bit, and I think there's less opportunities now because you know I think people are just sick of putting their head up and going, "Oh, well, we can offer an opportunity here, but because we can't get the funding from the board or whatever." And I, and I get it. There's money all over clubs, and there probably is money there where they could they could pay people. But initially, if you have a structured internship, and that's what I liked about the Boyles one uh, initially was. It's three months. Like there's a start date, there's an end date, and you know what you're going to come out with. 
and and I think that's the key. Uh, you know, I think the the industry could be improved if they just lost the uh, the attitude around around that, but put some structure to you know put some agreed structure to them as well. Yeah, I'd like to get your thoughts on on this because I actually had this conversation yesterday with Joel Smith. Um, it might sound like a slight digression at the start, but hopefully it will come full circle, and then I'd like to get your thoughts on it. So I suppose it's it's a little bit around. Listen, and I'm no, I'm not above this myself in, in terms. I'm not saying this what I'm about to say, like that I'm at a pedestal and that I'm better than anyone. But this kind of conversation around like millennials and like this level of entitlement, and it kind of then also carries over into this sort of situation I see an awful lot lately in sport with kids, in that they don't keep score, everyone gets a particip- participation trophy don't hurt people's feelings and myself and Joel were talking about this and the reason why I bring this up is because that is really doing kids a disservice in terms of making them resilient and robust humans as they get older so like when they get older then they've basically been sort of like you know babied all the way through in that they haven't had to face any adversity and that's the great thing that sport teaches is adversity it's like listen you're gonna get hurt you're gonna lose you're gonna have unfair calls by referees and it's up to you to to learn and mature as a human to, to be able to perceive those things as obstacles or opportunities. And the reason I bring this up is that now just talking about internships, it's like people are like, Oh, I won't intern for free. Are you yeah. crazy? And it's like, why? Like, and it's because it's almost as if like, well, that's like slavery. So it is. And it's all like, where, so like, you know, like it, it's like the mindset of having to like do a little bit of, and I know some coaches hate the word, but a little bit of grind, you know, like, I mean, like your vocation, your passion, it, it is meant to be challenging and stimulating. But it's because now, like a lot of people already instantly feel, you know, entitled. They want instant gratification. They don't want to delay the long game. They've they've never had to go through a little bit of adversity where like they had to get knocked down and up again and knocked down and up again, knocked down and up again. They're all so, oh, just a little bit of effort is all you need. Whereas like, no. It's going to take a little more than a little bit of effort. It's going to take a little bit of steeliness, a little bit of, I don't give a fuck, I'm doing this, no matter how many times I have to get back up again. Yeah, it does. I mean, it is, you know, well, you get into that, you know, a university is preparing people for, for life in pro sport. You know, you can argue, uh, yeah, not yes or no. Um, are they preparing them for interviews, how to apply for jobs? No. Or people aren't well prepared for them. Do you, so how are you going to learn these skills? Like if they're not being solved there, where are you going to learn them? You need to get in amongst it. Yeah, you you need that apprenticeship model. That's where I'm getting at in, in terms of. But the other thing too is Tom now that is that say because because even if you do get individuals like oh I'll intern for I'll intern because there is still people who are like I'll intern for free. I just want to learn. The problem is now that organizations are like they're 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 kind of like. Um, they're handicapped or they're sorry that's a terrible i don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way they're they're handcuffs is what i would say because some of them have regulations where they can't allow people to intern for free Do you yeah. know so it's it, like that's starting to become an issue now like there's regulations that won't allow free internships yeah. now like don't give it on if, if if you're dictating someone when to turn up to work when to go home what output they've got to do that's an employee you know that's it but volunteering is different Volunteering is different. And, and the, the reality is that there should be, you know, it's not forever. It shouldn't be forever. You could argue it shouldn't even be for a year, but in some cases, maybe that, that's, that's what needs to be. Um, you know, and, and 
weather could get better is people could actually just give better internship experiences. Yeah. And there should be more, you know, if you actually, rather than discouraging it, if you, if you actually put together good programs and there was criteria around that, then you, it would be a positive thing. Now I, I understand, don't get me wrong. I understand like there's people that can't afford to intern. There's different, you know, and then that is a barrier for certain, um, for certain people. I, I absolutely get that. I'm, I'm not sure what that solution is. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I don't think that's fair, you know, in that case, because I do think, you know, like, I was fortunate enough that I managed to get, uh, you know, excluding Boyles at Bradford, for example, I'd volunteer on an evening so I could work through the day. The grind for me was the fact that I had to work on them through the day and work at night. But ultimately, so what? Like, yeah. Listen, and there's no really right or wrong here. It's just that, like, so what I'm saying, there is no judgment here. If you're someone that turns around and is saying that I want X, but I'm not willing to do Y to get to X, then there's an issue. Whereas if you get someone who's like, listen, I don't want to intern because I don't want that lifestyle. Like, I don't want to work 60 hours a week. I don't want to work in pro sport. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's that's fair. Yeah, that, that's fair enough then. You know what I mean? Um, But it's the individuals who are like, no way would I do like you're crazy on a free internship, you know what I mean? And it's again, it, it's we spoke about this before we hopped online about everyone has their sort of uh, their own bias, their own um, lens, which they see reality through. So, I mean, you know, everyone and everything is there for a reason, and like you know, it comes down to environment and its interaction with an organism. And you know, people are so determined by their upbringing and their environment, so like how they see the world and how they relate to things is obviously through a specific lens that they develop up into that point so for some for, so for one person a free internship is just like mind-boggling they'd never even contemplate where another person is like are you crazy you think about the learning opportunity the networking you get like it's just a short term you know like uh and it's not even like a short term period of pain in terms of like financial costs or whatever like it's like it's just a little bit of shit sandwich you have to eat but the 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 the, the back end good that comes from like the, like for my internships and you're probably saying with boils like for my internship with boils that still to this day pays dividends to me because of the people who i met the network i got what i learned yeah like on, on that internship i met some great people that i'm still in touch with now that all work in different positions in professional sport yeah. So know, like, it's it, it's about seeing that that long term gain rather again this instant gratification, which is kind of going back to the whole sort of point I'm making here in that this generation, because it's like such instant gratification with the phone and social media and yeah. then the entitlement that comes along with it. And then also that message is also getting amplified with it's all about participation, don't keep score, don't hurt feelings, don't have to work hard, it's okay, we'll look after you, where it's all like you know that's doing people a huge disservice and listen i i was fucking i'm a spoiled kid like my parents spoiled me bad like so i'm not sitting here thinking saying that i've grinded my life and had to work from the streets i'm from a very high middle class family spoiled first world country like i've had all the events from the get-go so i'm well aware of how lucky i am too yeah i think you know there's the opposite end of that then there's people that have been in the industry for years and years and are now leaving in droves because fucking well-being and mental health and burnout and and all these kind of things you know so it's like you say like it's a dirty word you know it seems a dirty word to use the, the grind a little bit because there is also a problem at the at the other side of it 
Oh, well, that, that, that's a massive conversation I've had on numerous podcasts and even just conversations with other peers and colleagues like yourself. Like on my last podcast with Kirwin and Flat, we also touched on this. Um, and like, I mean, listen, love to get your thoughts on this too. Like what I, what I was commonly, commonly seen from peers and friends like yourself in, in, the, in the positions that you're in. And again, just so we're clear, I've, Tom has never said this to me, so I'm not talking about Tom here and I'm not talking about Ulster Rugby. But I, I have friends who are, have been in many organizations and the typical sort of story I was commonly seen was, you know, they are, they're young, like this is how it went. They were young gunners. They were like, all I want to do is like work in pro sports. They get an internship. They become an assistant SSC. Then they may get the head job. But they usually their first year where they're getting like paid, like, you know, let's say they moved to the assistant position. They were like, this is great. I'm going to, you know, make it. They're like, they're just, they're so into it. They're like, I'm going to make such a huge difference. I'm going to be there for everyone. People first, blah, blah, blah. Then after like the first year, they're like, oh, holy shit. I learned a lot of things there that I didn't realize were like extremely necessary for this role, like politics, communication. Blah. What, what, what happens when I work with players who don't give a shit about SNC? You know, the front, the front desk, the front office. It just, you know, the people I'm working with, that physio, he's really hard to get along with. Like all these things, like usually it's communication and personal skills. And then like they go into year two and they're like, right, I'm a little bit wiser now. I think I know how to to work around some of these things. I think I'm more developed. And eventually it gets to year three, year four, maybe year five. And essentially the joke I make is they're in the facility one day. They're sitting on the jacks, taking a dump. And then finally the thought comes into their head. I don't think I want to be here anymore. And then this other voice in their head goes, you ungrateful son of a bitch. You said all you wanted was to work in pro sport. Now you want to give it up. And like it's like this internal turmoil that the person has because they're so associated now with this organization. They have such investment into it. You know, and, and they're, then they're too afraid to step away. And then like yeah. their life outside of that with the family has been going to shit for the last three or four years. Their wife's always like, where are you? Like you said, you'd be home at three today and you weren't home till eight. And you're like, oh, I had another meeting. It's like, that's always the meetings. And you're meant to pick the kids up today. Yeah. You're meant to pick <laughs> the kids up today from school. And so that, that was the constant theme I've seen because like any other coach myself, I was always like, do I want to go into pro sport? Should I just stay in my own thing? Do I want to go to pro sport? Do I want to do my own thing? Like I've had that wrestling. You know, comes down to people's like, I think it just comes down to that if, if you let it be your complete identity and if you live through the success or failure of, of the club, you know, that, that, that's ultimately the, um, that's the tough, that's the tough thing because it's, it's so encompassing. I, re- I remember actually, um, you know, in the early days when I first started, a coach said to me, not every club's like this, Tom. Not every club's like this club. You know, because I was thinking at that point, those kind of things like, fuck me, this is mental. You know, and he was like, not every club's like this. And not every club is. Every club's different. And uh, you, just, I think you just go know yourself and know the warning signs for, yeah. for, for those kind of things. Like, the reality is that, you you know, maybe you do have a shelf life at clubs. Maybe that is a thing. Um, you know, if, if, if you're there long enough and that becomes so much of your identity that you suddenly find, oh, well, the team's failing, I'm a failure, and you've, you've, oh, well, you've got, you know, you've got a wife and kids at home, or you've got this going on out here that you've, you, you know, that you've taken your, your priority or your time away from. Yeah. I, 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 I 100% agree too as well, because 
going back to what you touched on in terms of that word grind, I, I think a lot of it then also becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in that, you know, if you're telling yourself this is a tough profession, this is 14 hours a day, this is a grind, this is the game of one upsmanship of I was here at six and I didn't leave till 10, whereas t- Tom over there, he comes in at seven and leaves at five. I'm a, I'm a more worthier person because I stay here longer and suffer more. Like if that's the sort of the subconscious and maybe even conscious mindset that people are having, it becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy in that like if you're telling yourself this is a grind, well, then it will be a grind. But then also, as you, I think what you're alluding to there, you could also be a person who goes into that environment and say, no, like I love this and I realize I don't have to be here for 14 hours a day. I can get what I need to get done far more efficiently and like i i will get home every evening to my family because they're a priority and you know so like uh, and and that that also what you touched on there that every club is not that way either because yeah. i again i i've i i know people in the nfl and like a lot of them be like they're they're that they're kind of like the initial coach i just spoke about they're like 14 hours a day grind 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 and i always joke to them like what is taking you guys 14 hours a fucking day to get done like it just screams inefficiency whereas i have heard of a few other colleagues of mine who've been in big organizations and it's been what you've alluded to there um secondarily in that it's like no everything's great the head coach he understands that he's like if you're in the building any more than you need to be he said like they're like i will actually fire you because you need to go home you need to spend time with your family because if you spend too much time here you'll your your quality of work will go down like so this whole thing yeah quality is is people talk about work-life balance and and it's not uh, you know it's not an everyday thing you know like that's that's just this isn't this industry this is any high-performing profession in the world. Like sometimes you've got to get shit done and you might have two months where you're fucking working. What you've got, what you've got to be good at is you, and what you've got to recognize, is you've got to forgive yourself that what it no longer looks like that commitment the month after. Don't fucking back it up with a month of bullshitting yourself that you need to be in every day. Take the time back then. That's that's where you get your balance back. But you you know, some, some people think like, oh, well, it, it can only be nine to five and you, you can't communicate outside of these hours because you, you're getting into people's lives and stuff. Well, you know, sometimes that, that's that's business. That's the business world as well. Sometimes shit needs to do it and you've got to get it done. I think you just got to recognize, you, you know, you've got to recognize when that's becoming the habit as, as opposed to a, a moment in work or a moment in the season where, okay, we've got a block of, eight games like we need this is an important block of games but after that there's actually a training block of a couple of weeks and in that couple of weeks actually I'm going to take a few days off and I'm not going to bother people or you know you can work flexibly from from home or wherever it needs to be like it it ebbs and flows and you've got I think people have got to allow it I don't think they allow it to 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 flow like that I think that when it gets quiet I think because it's the main identity I think they get lost and then not recharging. And then before they know it, that next block's coming round. And then all of a sudden they've been on for nine months and they're thinking, then they're sat on the shitter and thinking, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. Man, like the way you summarize that is so perfect in that you almost, you could take what you just said there and like frame that to a strength and condition coach as periodization. <laughs> like yeah. here's a period of time where we're going to have a, a high volume you know, accumulation block, then we have our intensification block, then we have peaking, and then guess what? We have like an off season. 
but like yeah. it, it's just like uh, like so two two things that really popped in my mind there was that communications key so in terms that if you know you're gonna have two months where things are gonna be fairly to the wall that you communicate like to your partner and family like listen these next two months will be very very busy but then we have a down period and that's when we can do everything we need to do and then also to be able to just even consciously you know that so as you just alluded to there that when that month three comes along when you should be taking your time off and not prolonging like that's the thing like people just staying in the building to stay in the building it's like that's going to lead to burnout and like again putting putting that into in like using the analogy then of training like if we constantly kept training at high volume or high intensity we know we would physically burn out and it's no different to mental burnout then you know it's it's the same nervous system it's the same energy resource so you can't constantly be going all the time and also it work like balance like there's a real sort of people like, oh, it's bullshit. You can't have work-life balance. It's, it's more like periods of work-life balance. There's periods of time where work is going to be more out of balance than life. But then you also need to have the yin to that yang where, well, now life needs to be a little bit more than work. And you just alluded to that. I think that's per- like so beautiful the way you summarize that. In that. So I think the, the other thing is as well, I think, I, I think in this industry, people, you know, people are, and this is a challenge all the time for me, um, you know, when, when you're working with people, you've got staff under your care is that you, you've got to give clarity over what the what the KPI is, like what are you trying to change? Because otherwise you end up chasing everything and, and that creates the busyness. And that and then that's where you, you're coming down to 10 hour days and no one's not really sure where if you can give clarity and go, you know what, this is what we're working on. This is how we're judging success. Well, then you can work with precision. And, and hopefully that, that brings you efficiency and that brings people time because once, once you're hitting that, fucking stop wasting your time. Man, that's the last bit you just touched on there. You use words, busyness, you used effectiveness, saving time. Like that's exactly, and KPI, you use that as well. That's the fucking key right there. What are the KPIs? How can I communicate that in a way that that everyone's on the same page because this is something we alluded to and, and you can touch on this and, and again because of your position also to rub you really love to get your thoughts on it but it's like how can we get this in a way that it makes sense to the sports medicine department snc sport coaches sports scientists the psychologists and the nutritionists that here's the kpi because each one of those are going to view that kpi through their own lens their own bias um and then to have everyone on that same page so that yeah, man, that word you just used there, busyness, that is the fucking enemy. People are busy, but because there's no clarity in the KPI, they're just like, at the end of the day, it's like, what have you got to show for that busyness? And that's going back to my comment on the NFL guys, like oh, 14, 15 hour days. I'm like, what the fuck is taking you that long to get done? Like, you know what I mean? So like effectiveness is efficiency. And then that's allowing those people then to say, right, 5 p.m., I can actually go home because we got done. We hit our KPI, so I can get home now. I can recharge the batteries, stay in a good, healthy relationship with my family. Like if I'm coming to work the following morning facility and I had a great evening with the kids, I had a loving evening with, with the partner, I feel recharged, I feel ready to go. And again, listen, as you just touched on, that's not going to happen every evening because... Yeah, gonna... This ain't me saying I, uh, I've nailed this, Robbie. I know. I, like, 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 <laughs> me, like me earlier on talking about entitled people and people being spoiled. Like I'm holding my hand up too. Like none of us are perfect, you know what I mean? But again... I've my wife listen to this. She'll disagree completely, but... Uh... <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, this is f- phenomenal, but I'm speaking too much and then the listeners always say I speak too much. I need to stop speaking because I, I want you now to get in and you've touched on it to a degree but really get into your current role 
with us, Robbie. And I know you've already touched into some parts of it, but again, I just really love the way you're phrasing certain certain um, topics or certain sentences here and the words you're using. And it, it's really giving me a taste of your sort of mindset already for this um, this question. But yeah, give us your, your current role at Ulster. What are you doing? Like, just basically your current role, like what are you trying to achieve there? Yeah, uh, well, Head of Athletic Performance is, is the title that you're given. Um you know, but but ultimately, I suppose it's and there's one of these in each province. You know, as there's one of these roles in each province, and then we're kind of um, we then work with the head coach as kind of a, an operational and functional lead in the province, and then uh, we work back with with kind of Nick and uh, Jason Cameron with the national team with with the IRFU. Then in terms of um, in terms of like the collaborated viewpoint of how we want to athletically develop players uh, in Ireland. So it, it's com- it's very complex at times, but just just kind of a, a, in a clear one, I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, like I've got a brilliant staff, which, which allows me then to, to work in different areas where I think I'm more effective, which is usually connecting coaches to the um to the whole program, bringing departments together and, and, and finding finding solutions in the right places. Um, and, and identifying uh, probably one of the main ones, identifying what the actual problems are because there's that much data flying around. Um, the, you've got to be careful what you, what you go after and you, you've got to get committed to what you want to change because it takes a lot of effort to, to create any kind of change. Kind of, kind of a, but you know, everyone's always looking for the, uh, the extra 1%, the marginal gain, whatever it may be. But to get 1% in, in pro sport is fucking hard. And it takes a lot of collaborated effort to, to, to kind of get any kind of change. And even then, you know, like what kind of edge are you, are you getting? So that, that, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to sell a dream to, to players that, hey, you're, you're so much fitter than, than these guys. And, and here's everyone telling you that through a different lens so that you understand how that impacts your game and, and maybe what choices you make around it to either keep doing that and, and to buy in or... Uh, to adapt what you do because it doesn't quite suit you. So, so, so that's the one. But you know, I obviously, luckily, I've got uh, academy lead Matt Godfrey here. Um, he works with the the academy staff in the development pathway. They're very much integrated into the the senior program as well. We're, we'll, we'll kind of coach throughout. And then I've got Shane Carney uh, who who leads the rehab former here. Uh, Mikey Kylie from from Limerick's just come in to to do the strength and, and power work. Um, and Matt McGuire in, um, who, who coaches kind of speed agility exceptionally, but he also works with with the data side. is phenomenal on that side. So I've got a, I'm blessed with a good team, and, and and that's what I'm about is is tackling problems as a team. And we actually touched on this a little before we hopped on, and I really love to 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 hear your thoughts on this. How are you trying to set up an environment to bring cohesion? between all those disciplines that you look after? Yeah, we, we look at, I mean, you could, you could just look at space setup, for example. So, so we had a gym here, which was, which was world-class, but it was full of equipment, you know, which meant that it was an S&C space. You know, so we stripped that back. We, you know, we, we, we kind of opened up the floor area. We, we brought rugby coaches down into the gym space. We brought... Uh, the medical professionals down into the gym space. You can rehab here. You can do skills here. 
you can lift here, you can develop athletically here, whether you want to do agility work, tackle work. Um, it's just how we use space, desk space in, in offices. We used to be on the outskirts of the office, facing away from each other, take them apart, put them back together, create space where people can communicate and, 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 and where those natural conversations take place in corridors or wherever it may be. Man, that is, again, a phenomenon. Because I had been previously in the facility when it was mainly just uh, an S&C an S&C floor. But, like, as you were speaking there now, I was just kind of, it just reminded me of, like, the Exos facilities. It's like, well, look at those. Like, you have your physical therapist right on the floor with the S&C. And then outside on the turf, you have your sports skill coaches with the football or baseball guys, whoever it is at that time that are trained there. So, yeah, that makes complete sense. And that, that's the way you need to set up that environment. And, again, we know environment you know, in terms of its 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 influence on the organism. So I mean you set up that environment with all those all those different disciplines. I mean, nothing but interaction is gonna happen and then you start to develop those relationships. Well you, you know what I learned I, I learned a really good lesson actually. We went um being from like a rugby league background, I had uh, an an alley used to be at St. Helens, but he wasn't at that point. We we went over to to um to visit Matt Daniels and, and Nathan Mill at, uh, at St. Helens. I took a couple of staff over. I took the, the lead physio and the skills coach over and we, and we just went in for a day. And um, they were, tri- they were th- where their gym was and offices. And then they went to train over the road. But what I noticed in, in this movement was, and this might not even be like an intentional thing, but everyone moved with the training session. So no one stayed at the training base when they went to the pitch. Everyone went across. Rehabbers didn't stay there. Everyone just went and, and worked there. And then everyone moved to the next space. And I just thought, you, energy is such an important thing. You've got to make the main thing the main thing. And you've got to make people want to be like where the action's happening. So you just create the action in one, you've got to get one space where you can create the action. And then if you get everyone down there, like it just, it just feeds, just the energy just feeds. How do you facilitate then trust and I suppose a safe place for everyone in those disciplines to be able to voice an opinion or to, you know, to basically bring thoughts to you or to the group? Um, like, t- t- talk to me about like that process and, and what sort of structures do you have in place? Is there weekly, daily, you know, monthly? Is yeah. there debriefs? I mean, is there a suggestion box? I mean, is it sort yeah. of like, listen, this room, a- anything goes because we-, we trust one another? Like, and what do you do then to-, to further facilitate and build that relationship and trust among everyone? Well, th- th- this is just an ongoing process, but you, you would have, um, I think information sharing is, is huge. You know, I just, I think like, you know, we were chatting off there about GPS, for example. Like everyone should be able to see it. It's not just an S&C thing. It's not just done in, in a certain way. It should be open for everyone. Um, we, we're fortunate we have some good systems with the IRFU. We have some in-house systems as well that allows us to do that. And we're still trying to develop that kind of stuff. Um, each day we have like a collective meeting where all departments are there. We run through, okay, the, this is what we're looking at for the day, um, what players can can do this, what, what things do we have in place for those that can't do it, um, and how does everyone take a role in managing that process so that when we go to train, 
it's all singing, all dancing, and, and people have clarity over what, what needs executing. And then we have to, you know, just have to set, set discussions. We have a thing called a bull ring where we'll, we'll discuss players as, a, as collective coaching staff, or, you know, and, and everyone will be represented nutrition, medical, SNC, uh, coaches, analysis. We'll, we'll all kind of give an opinion on a player or talk through that process. We, we may bring players in for that process as well. And yeah. how do you come to final decisions? Is it is it a vote as a group, or are you the are you the the, the main guy? No, no, not at all. Uh, head coach would be the main guy, but okay. um, yeah. yeah, I think you, you'd you'd kind of go through. I mean, first of all, we're a rugby first program. Getcha, getcha. No, rugby is the main thing, well, of course. Yeah, but if there's something sticking out there from so. If, if, if me or one of my staff is basically saying, hey, this is an issue that needs addressing, then they need to stand up and say it and they need to make a case for, for why that's the most important thing. And, and ultimately, once you have that, that discussion, it's, it can be pretty obvious what the most important thing is. And then everyone's aware of that. Everyone's aware of what the solution is. And, and then you can crack on with, with providing that. So obviously it's going to, this next question is obviously going to depend on, on the head coach and their sort of philosophy and style, but how much information do you need to bring to his, or I was going to say her, but I don't think there's ever been a female head coach in Ruby yet, but how much, how much information do you need to bring to their attention? Like, so let's say, you know, you're obviously had a performance and you're looking after all these, um, these disciplines, and like, so you obviously have to deal with a lot of information every day. Like, where is that line in the sand where like, okay, this doesn't need to go up the chain any further, but now it does. Like, so like, yeah, or, so, or, or well, does, does he always want to be kept in the loop? Yeah. Well, I, I only head up the essence, the athletic performance side. So we'd have a lead, you know, we have lead in, in medical physio and, and obviously the head coach on behalf of the coaches. But so sometimes we may have a, heads of department sometimes it might be me the lead physio and the head coach and and, and we'll collectively discuss a problem and and maybe what that solution is but it, obviously if it's ap related and it's within my sessions then i'll you know then then we'll decide what that course of action is what that best uh, action is for the session if it's something that impacts the full program then you know we've got to have that discussion collectively and and and, and make the case for what we want to do and why we want to do it. And sometimes we go with it and sometimes we don't. And, and, and that's the game really. So obviously in your position, like communication and leadership is key. So in terms of developing those skills, how have you gone about that since you've gotten this role? Yeah, that's uh, well, it's ongoing all the time. Like the you know, especially the, uh, the communication one. Um, I mean, it's the same as everyone else, really, like experience. Um, lucky that, you know, within kind of like the IRFU network, we do quite a lot of uh, CPD around leadership, recognising what those characteristics are maybe and, 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 and how we want to work. Podcasts, things that cost us outside, you know, formal courses like it's basically you just just kind of invest yourself into it, don't you? If you're interested in being a, a good leader, then you you read around it, you pick up some of the, the you know some of the traits which are around communication, collaboration, uh, leader leader models, that kind of you know that kind of uh, that kind of stuff. 
Would you ask for much feedback from your staff in terms of your own performance? Like, like almost a debrief on yourself, maybe like, you know, every quarter or every year or so? No, well, I just, I, you know, I do, I've just done reviews with, with Nick and with our head coach here, you know, and I, 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 I get the feedback in that. I, I'd probably speak individually to each member of my staff and, uh, and get feedback that way. I think I could be, I, I could be far better at it. I'd reflect quite a lot and I'm quite aware of, I probably wouldn't need someone to tell me that we're being a dickhead. And I know when I'm being usually after the event, but I, I would know, I would reflect, I'd be purposeful in, in probably what I did the following days to uh, to kind of right any wrongs and, and maybe not make the same mistake going, going forward. And I, and I always find a lot of that is just around clear communication and, and clarity and when we want to get certain projects done, being re- really purposeful on, on how we do that, get everyone in the space at the same time, get the detail there, and then kind of allow people to go away and work on it and then set a date for people to come back and, and follow that up. Great stuff. Uh, so listen, I won't keep you too much longer. I have a few, like, the more like quick sort of questions, but again, you can take your time answering. Just in terms of your daily routine, is, is there anything you do? Do you do any journaling, mindfulness, or is like your own training? Is that sort of your own med- meditation? Is there sort of like any non-negotiables that you do every day? Like a lot of people say, oh, it's my coffee, but like, you know, kind of take us through a, a day in the life, a typical day in the life of, of Tom. Yeah, no, I'd be, look, I've been fairly early. Like my best days are when I'm walking the dog. Um, that, that'd be my, I'm, I live, like I live on the coastline. I can walk down beaches and, and through water. And, uh, there's a lot in that for me. There's a lot in that for, for reflection. In fact, I've done that this morning. Um, that, that, that'd be huge. And that, that'd be where I can listen to, to podcasts or I can listen to music and I can reflect and I can make notes and I can do phone calls and, and all that kind of thing. So that, that would be an ideal one for me. Um, yeah, typically we, we, we'd be in, we'd, we, we'd be staff, we'd be planning out the day, going through the responsibilities. We, we'd have a purposeful review process for what we do in the day as well um, to do at the end of the day. Then we'd start talking to the players, talking to the different departments, getting the information together, getting the screen together. I'd be up with coaches, finding out what the rugby content was, um, it'd be pre-communicated kind of what the physical outputs we were looking for would be. And then we'd kind of agree upon which bits of those can be in the session and can be as part of rugby, which we try and do as much through rugby as we can. And then we'll find the solutions then as a, an AP team around what we, what we focus around that. Same for the gym. Uh, what do we want to work on for strength, robustness, what coaching, what coaching cues are we using? What's coaching responsibilities do we have? Um, for the session, who's doing what? So if we, you know, we, we have like a certified process, which we do kind of 15 minutes before a session where we go through raw clarity of, of what each, each of us are, re- are responsible for. Um, and then, yeah, that, that, that'd, be, that'd be more or less us, get, get, get the players off site then, usually late in the day and start planning again. It's, it's pretty, pretty continuous of, of those good habits, I think. And... I don't know how much detail you can go into, but what, like, what does the typical week look like, you know, in the season there at Ulster Rugby? So, like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you give us like an overview, like, obviously, you know, yeah, we, would we, we recovery so we day and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah, yeah, it varies week on week depending on what the turnaround is and where the game was. So, 
Um, typically, obviously, unless we're playing the other provincial teams, we typically fly in for most games. So, for example, on Saturday, we played uh, Zebra in Parma. So we flew back after the game. We got back kind of half one in the morning on Sunday. We were in on Monday, so that would be a plus two. So that would be very much meeting focus, recovery focus, um, install work for the players. So, you know, walkthroughs, jogthroughs, wherever it may be. And then yesterday would have been a minus three because it's a short turnaround this week. So that would have been our main training day. It's the short turnaround. So, it, we, you know, the, the load would be reduced for that, as, you, as you'd expect. We still get strength stimulus in. We would still work on some robustness measures around calf and hamstring. And we would get a little bit of a speed exposure. Typically, main training day, we do most of our speed exposure on that day, which would be a minus four uh, game day. And then, yeah, they'll have today off. Although, you know, a lot of guys are in doing various bits of recovery. They're doing kicking practice, maybe um, some upper body strength work. Um, so, some guys are locked into that kind of stuff. And then it'll be captains tomorrow and then we go. But you, usually on a main week, we'd like to train uh, plus two, minus four, minus two would be the ideal one. And the, the, the minus two one would be a short, sharp kind of execution uh, session. And I know there's no really typical day for yourself and for the staff, but like hours wise, like like what what time are you typically getting there? What time are you and like is there? Because I know in the NFL too, like usually is like there's usually like one day a week where they kind of have a half ish day, usually like in their preseason. Yeah, so like to, so to, today is 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 a uh, a down day. So yeah. for staff, this is just this is flexible for for staff that they would work what what they need to work. So that's why. I've, being able to walk the dog this morning, uh, kids to school. Great. Um, came in for a meeting at, at 11. I'm, you know, what, what we're now to two o'clock, started speaking to myself at one. Um, I'll be walking the dog again and, and seeing the kids after school today. Great. And that'll be, you know, the, these are good days midweek. Um, you know, we, we, we're lucky like we would play Friday night this week, Saturday, Sunday here, are pretty chilled. It's, you know, it's, Pretty chilled on weekends in Northern Ireland. You know, it's not often we would get them in on a on a. We play a lot of Saturdays, but it's not often we get guys in on a Sunday. Yeah. Whether that's just the culture here, or um, it's very. Sometimes we do if we need to. You know, if we need if if we've got to prepare for a game on a certain turnaround, but it's an exception to the rule. So would Monday Tuesday typically? Monday Tuesday Thursday Friday would be more so the longer days. Would they for you guys? Monday Tuesday Monday Tuesday would be. Yeah, you know, would would would, would be stacked. Uh, we, I'd be in from, I don't know, maybe about quarter to seven, seven o'clock, and I would leave about half five. Yeah, yes. on those days, be flexible today, tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's just captain's run. I get we get a lot of meetings done tomorrow, staff meetings, and mm. a lot of planning and a lot of reviewing done tomorrow. Um, so captain's run in the morning. Those means I'll be done mid afternoon, I would guess. Um, it always tie, ties in with walking the dog, Robbie. So basically, whenever the missus tells me I've got to walk the dog in an afternoon, usually that will be around four o'clock. So I only have certain days I can do that. This this poor old dog sounds this poor old dog sounds like he's overtrained a bit. <laughs> come, oh, on, come on, we go for a walk. He's like fucking hell of enough walking done. 
Oh, he's crazy. Oh, he's crazy. But that, that that's how I rotate. Yeah, that's what I live my life around, basically, is whether I'm told I have to walk the dog or not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so that would be that. And then game day. Game days would be pretty busy because we do, um, we have the non-playing squad in through the day. Okay. But we split it as staff. Usually we split it as staff. So two guys will stay on the non-playing team. Two guys will run the game day with the senior guys. And then typically post-game, then we'll, we'll top the guys up. Uh, we'll talk the guys up post game so that they'll have a long night. That'll be a long night. Great stuff. Last few for you now. We'll uh, leave it at that. Just in terms of your own training, your own health, your own wellness. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing in that regard? So just with your own training, like what, what does that look like? Are you getting you know two, three lifts in a week, or are you, are you lifting, or you know, what's your training looking like these days? Yeah, sporadic. Um, just get it in when you can get it in. Yeah, just I try and keep general activity levels as high as I can, just just as general. Um, yeah, then I'll try and get maybe a couple of lifts in a week. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, yeah, yoga's going well for me at the moment. So great, yeah, great, yeah. Uh, trying, trying to do a little bit of work in, in that. Also, you know, if we're traveling with the team and there's kind of mobility sessions put on for the traveling group, I'll jump in on those. and. Great. I'll do bits and pieces, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's sporadic at best, and I'm I'm building it up to be something that it's not there. Yeah, listen, a little bit is always better than nothing, and I suppose you're 38, I'm 34, and and, and we can resonate with this. Is like the older we get, the more we realize like that fucking mobility stuff is very important for the joints. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I'm always fascinated to ask people about how they learn or master a topic, so. Let's just say there is a topic that's really just grasped you. you. You start to become fascinated with it. In terms of trying to master that topic, how would you go about that? So essentially the question is, how do you learn? What is your learning process? Yeah, I would learn by doing. Great. Definitely. But um, yeah, once you kind of, I mean, the internet's great. This is why social media is great for bringing topics kind of front and center. And then you can just, you can go down that rabbit hole, can't you, and just delve deeper and deeper and deeper. And then if I think there's something in it, then I'm, I'm likely to either look to go on a course or watch a presentation and then try Like the, the, the best learnings are ones we do as staff where we actually purposely do something around the topic. Like present on it. Uh, yeah, I would present it back to the staff or have yeah. a discussion or yeah. run it as a practical. You know, I, I need that as, as when we have our kind of certified sessions, the guys are talking through the sheet as to what we're coaching. And I'm just like, I become an assistant coach then because I might have a lead in movement health. Like he's just talking at me and I'm like, just show me. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me the you. exercise. I don't understand what you're saying. Just show me the exercise. And once I do it, I'm, I'm, I'm gold. Great stuff. What uh, is your top and current reading recommendations? If you are reading anything, yeah. Well, I'm audio. I'm audio book. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah more what, are you, what are you listening to these days? Um, it, you know what? It depends with audio books. It's who's narrating them. That's what I found. So true. Like these people that just get these random people to narrate the audio book is bullshit. I know. Absolute bullshit. They, they, it just ruins. It just ruins it completely. Uh, but if you get like, have you have you listened to Green Lights with, with Matthew McConaughey? I haven't. No. Oh my! You like he reads it. Oh, so it's brilliant then. It is unbelievable. 
Yeah. Unbelievable. That's more people need to more people need to do that. Um because Gary V reads his own books, right? And he always goes off script. Because I've listened to a few Gary v, Gary Vaynerchuk, and like Gary's like, guys, 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 this isn't in the book. And 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 he's like, and my producer keeps telling me I can't do this, but fuck him, it's my book. I just want to put this in here now. It's so funny. Well, that's that's marketing for you. That's the king of marketing, isn't it? <laughs> he knows yeah, what he's doing. Exactly. <laughs> Um, what, what we, you know, never split the difference, which is about negotiating, right. uh, with, with Chris Voss. I thought that was very good. Uh, he reads that I reads part of it. That's very good. Uh, I'm just starting one belonging, which is with Owen Eastwood. Nice. I think somewhere with Harley Quinn's and hmm, maybe, maybe something else, a lot around psychology, that kind of stuff. Right. Great. Yeah. yeah, well, there's some great recommendations. I really, really appreciate that. All right, last one for you. Um, and this is going to make you think. Um, yeah. I'm going to bring you for dinner. And I say, Tom, listen, you can bring five people to this dinner. They can be dead or alive. They can be real people or fictitious characters. Who would you bring to the dinner and why would you bring them? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Is it that will make me think? And they can be a- a- anyone at all. And take take as long as you want because oftentimes I, people think. I, I think it'd be like <laughs> this. Bit, this is going a bit deep, a bit dark. No, no. <laughs> but man, I, man, I, I, I've had people say Hitler, so like this, this could oh, go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, that that'd be that. would be interesting, like, but I like dinner parties aren't great for me because I'm a massive introvert, Robbie. So well, um, this is more like sitting at a table, we're conversing. Food's just an afterthought. Yeah, I probably won't be conversing, but uh, <laughs> no, I'd be, I'd be kind of like, I'd, I'd be more interested in in family members that, yeah, yeah, this, that's fine. That have died and ones that I've never met. Yeah, like, that's been answered too. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to know more about where, where we're from and and what. So, are you look- thinking grand grandparents or? Yeah, grandparents are an easy one. I've still, I've still got, you know, I've still got one grandparent alive, but yeah, the the other three would be. Uh, would be ideal. Okay. Uh, Any two more, uh, posi- two more positions then? No, I'd go another generation back. Oh, would you? Yeah. Yeah. I'd go, I'd go great grandparents, which I were lucky enough to meet a couple, but, but wow. not all. And just, I just love to know about more about where, why am I like, why am I like, do I, I am. Now when yeah. you've got kids, Robbie, you see this, you see like there's some traits in there that are the same traits you have that, People think are by choice, but they're not. They're just no. in your DNA. And yeah. you're just kind of like, I don't know why I behave that way, but I I, I can't help it. It's just in me and I see well, it. Well, my- it, it might necessarily be DNA in that, but you have to understand that it was also the environment you were like, you know, like, so like the way I stand or the way I walk or the way I might do a certain oh, habit, okay. like the way I might cut something like on a chopboard or just the way I might stand and fold my arms people would say god you're just like your dad whereas in my head i'd be like no i'm not and it's like but i am but it's just yeah. because uh, that's how that was the gate and the stance and the posture and the way to cut the tomato and chop or that i saw from day not so it might necessarily be a dna thing and that it's just an environment thing that shapes your no you absolutely, know, a- absolutely reality but, uh, it, yeah. it, it suits my narrative robbie it suits, it suits <laughs> absolutely man it suits the bias that's what it's all about absolutely <laughs> Tom, listen, this has been phenomenal. Our chat beforehand, our chat online here. And, and listen, I always appreciate when a guest actually, for whatever reason, allows me to ramble as much as I've done on some occasions there. But it's just because the reason usually that happens is because I get excited because I'm so into the conversation with the other individuals. So that, that's it's a compliment if I start to ramble. 
Um, listen, I really do appreciate that. I'd love to have you back on again at any time and anytime we ever want to catch up and have a chat, even if it's offline. But just for any individuals out there, Tom, who may want to just reach out to you or get advice or, you know, have a chat with you or like most people in strength and conditioning probably ask you for a job. Oh, you know, you don't know me, but can you give me a job? Yeah. <laughs> but I uh, know, seriously, if anyone wants to reach out, where would be the best place to connect? Um, well, I'm not prolific on, on social media by any stretch. I think most things are set to private. Probably Twitter I would, I would be on and, 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 and be fairly regular on there. Um, okay. What am I? I don't know. T Clough, I think, or T Cluffy. On so, Twitter? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll find it and stick it in the show notes. I'll have something like that. And LinkedIn. You can, I think you can you can message on yeah. LinkedIn, even if you, you follow can, or yeah. not. So, you know, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm open book, so if, if people want to connect, then that's great. No, no, no dramas. Great stuff. Tom, really appreciate that. I'll say goodbye to offline, and I'll just wrap up the show here. So, guys, another great podcast in the books. Really great to catch up with Tom and get a lot of his knowledge and wisdom, and he's doing a great um, job up there great work up there at Ulster so it's brilliant to talk really appreciate it Tom cheers mate thank you alright until next time everyone as I always say at the end of every podcast take care be well and stay strong mm-hmm.